0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast, a podcast dedicated towards helping you stay healthy so you can stay on the golf course and not in the clubhouse. We will be covering all things golf, from fitness, performance, injury recovery, instruction, and everything else in between. I am your host, Dr. Russ Metalastis. I am a board-certified sports physical therapist and strength coach based out of Rochester, New York. Our goal with this podcast is to help you play your best golf yet while doing so without limitations. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, What's <clears throat> up, everyone? Welcome back to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Russ. Today, I am fired up to have on the show Coach T.A., Trevor Anderson. So, Trevor is one of Golf Digest's top 50 best fitness trainers. He's owner of Better Every Day Performance Institute. He's an Armour performance coach. He's a Titleist Performance Institute certified coach, and he's also the founder of goth- Golf Letticism. T.A., man, welcome to the show, man. Hey Russ,
1: thanks so much for having me man. We've been talking about doing this for a long time so it's good to finally be able to chop it up man. How you doing? Absolutely. You all right?
0: I'm glad to be able to kind of talk some shop with you because I think you have a lot to offer with regards to just insight in the performance realm and obviously what you're doing with golfers. So you know just right. for some context for the audience you know coach Trevor and I uh, our paths crossed through a mutual friend uh, the rooster Dan McDonough and um, you know even though Trevor and I haven't worked together physically you know we were, we were supposed to be doing the Boston Marathon last year and You know, things kind of happened where we weren't able to do that together through UnderHour, but, you know, I'm glad to be able to kind of jump on on this show here to kind of shed some light as to what you're doing because you've got some great things going on down, obviously, in, in where you're at in Florida, but I think you're doing stuff that I think is influencing a lot of people across the country, and we want to kind of highlight that. So maybe kind of tell us a little bit more about your background in terms of maybe your education, your journey through the fitness and performance training ranks, and ultimately what led to your decision to open up Better Everyday Performance Institute.
1: Sure. Well, uh, again, thanks for having me, man. Um, You know, uh, there's not one path that gets you there a certain way. I know that they they spell it out for you a certain way. Right, Russ? They say, hey, you know, you go, you graduate from high school, then you go to college and you get your degree in exercise science and then you go and get your master's and then, you know, then you get a job then you work your way up and then, you know, you're the top guy and then maybe you own a place and they have this this stepwise like progression, you know, but. It doesn't always happen like that, you know? Um, and for me, it happened a little bit differently. It happened a little bit differently with me. Started off with just being able to train people that were around me. When I was in college, when I first got to college, I'm aging myself right now, but um, you know, in, in 94, I started college, you know, last millennium. And, uh, <laughs> and by 96, I was, I was training athletes. Uh, 95, 96, I was training athletes, starting with kids. Yeah. Uh, I worked at a Boys and Girls Club in, in Sarasota, Florida. As a summer job, and um, I saw that there was more to it than just being a camp counselor. You know, yeah. um, I thought I saw that, you know, I enjoyed playing sports, and I let them come play with me, and I, it started by me just taking them through their own paces, say here's how you get better, you know what I mean? And just trying to help them move better. I, I guess I didn't really have a philosophy at that point, but just yeah. helping them move better, uh, help them stay safer, help them jump higher, run faster, and enjoy whatever their activity was even more. Yeah. Took that as I went on to school, trained some of my friends throughout college and whatnot, and ironically even though anatomy and physiology was one of my favorite classes in high school, once I got to college, I was studying criminal justice. And, huh. um, and so I actually have a degree in criminal justice and public administration. But by the time I was getting ready to leave school, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do this full time. It was just too late to change, change colleges. I would have to change all the way to a different you know, college within UCF. And I said, man, it's just going to take me too long to do that. So let me just get these degrees and then I'll study. So I studied my supportive coursework with uh, exercise science and exercise physiology. Got out and, and really started doing what I was passionate about. I uh, had a brief stint with uh, with, with uh, professional football. Played um, arena football for three years. And then uh, went to camp with Cincinnati Bengals one year. And t- that was 2003. And I also uh, played slam ball. Uh, yeah. Basketball sport with, uh, with trampolines on the ground. <laughs> and I was, I was uh, pretty good at that sport too. It combined my athleticism from football and basketball. And I was able to do something that I loved. But... Through all of that time, uh, I realized that I wanted to make this performance training my career and movement-based training my career. While I was playing slam ball, I spent the majority of my day in the Burbank uh, Library studying for my CSCS certification. And in 2003, I got that CSCS, and I've had that ever since. And then um, from that point on, you know, you start getting respect in the industry when you put those those letters behind your name. And since I didn't have a degree that said exercise science, the fact that I had my CSCS was was something that uh, allowed me to have a little bit of a you know uh, uh, hold a little bit of weight in that world you know so for me that really made a lot of sense from that point uh, I started realizing that you know I can't just have these letters behind my name now I got to start working with people and you know it was natural for me to work with the field athletes the football players basketball players baseball players rotational athletes but the thing that I found out was that in an affluent community which I was in there were a lot of golfers you know and um, I didn't know a lot about the biomechanics of golf I just knew I loved the game my college roommate was a golfer, Ben Lyles, and he used to take me to the range with him. And I remember just wanting to hit the ball as far as possible. And I'm an athlete. I should be able to do this. And yeah. so irritating that I couldn't do it just because I was an athlete. You being a good athlete does not grant you the right to be able to hit a fairway. I'm just letting y'all know that right now, right? right. Some people have learned that the hard way. But it ended up being for me that I just wanted to, I wanted to know more. Like, what is, the, what is the deal here? And then, uh, you know, I had one professional golfer come to me. Back in 2004, 2005, and his name was Kevin Hall. Now, Kevin was a challenge for me in a lot of ways because Kevin is one of my closest friends now. But he's a black guy, but completely deaf. Deaf, can't hear at all. Got meningitis when he was two years old. Deaf. Wow. And he went to Ohio State and won the Big Ten championship by 11 strokes. <laughs> and, um, and I said, I said, Kevin, you're 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 black and you're deaf. That's strike two. I said. <laughs> so, uh, I said I was kidding around about that. But, um, but at the end of the day, I realized two things. A, he needed to learn how to, he needed to get fitter. He was a little chunky, a little chubby. He wasn't fat, but he just was, you could tell, he was a little soft. Yeah. And knowing that he needed to elevate his level to be able to compete with guys like Tiger Woods and, and, the, and the people in the mid-2000s at the time that were really playing the game at a high level, they were starting to transition to starting becoming these athletic, well-moving uh, players that uh, continue to start to dominate the game. And he knew that, and Tiger Woods actually told him, hey man, if you wanna compete out here, you need to get fitter. So he came and got introduced to me. I immediately helped him uh, lose a bunch of body fat and, and improve his athleticism, and then he began to compete at a, high, a much higher level. And um, that was my first professional golfer. People started getting wind of it, and then they started coming to me. But at the beginning, I thought it was all about rotational power and hitting the ball farther, but I realized quickly that it doesn't matter how fast you move or how fast you rotate, if you can't stay connected to the ground, you're going to have a tough time being successful in golf. And that's what really, really piqued my interest. And yeah. from that point, I became this just like, from the mid-2000s, I became this just nerd of the biomechanics of the golf swing. So for the last 15 years, I've been watching, you know, every instructor and, sure. and every video and everything I can find until I one day adopted my own kind of movement-based philosophy that at the end of the day, in such a reciprocal fashion, ended up being related on the athleticism that I had already done forever. Sure. which was, you know, what makes you successful on the football field, on the baseball field, on the basketball court. And I, and I took those, those aspects of movement and performance, and I, um, and I turned that into something that ended up being what we call golf leticism now. So, And, you know, we found success over the last several years, from the Long Drive uh, Tour to the PGA Tour to LPGA Tour to amateur golfers to junior golfers. We found a level of success helping people move better, and that's really what, what the, the whole background from the golf is all about.
0: That's awesome. And I think, you know, the story of, I think, you, like you said, athleticism, right, transcends a lot of different things, right? When you can be athletic, um, regardless of the sport, you usually have a pretty good chance of being successful there, right? But you need to put in the work in, in order to do that, right? So I think, again, obviously, too, you know, with your background, you know, being instructor for TRX, stuff like that, it sounds like you've kind of molded your own kind of philosophy over the years Right. And I think you like your story is, is important because not everyone has to do this kind of stepping stone, this hierarchy of, hey, I need to do college. I need to do strength coach. I need to do this. Like your background, you got your degree in criminal justice. Right. But then also your passion was, hey, I need to do this exercise science. I need to do this performance stuff. So you went and took it about on your own to do your CSCS and make it a career. And I think that is something that a lot of young coaches maybe aren't willing to do because. They feel like sometimes if they're stuck in certain like, degree or a certain major, they can't, they can't move out of that, right? But yeah, there's yeah. so many avenues now where, again, especially now with social media and all these different things, like, there's so many avenues that you can utilize to be able to be a good coach, but you have right. to put in the work. You, have to, yeah. you can't do smoke and mirrors, right? You have to work with yeah. people. And at right. some point in time, the more you work with people and the more experience you gain – and all people will start to see that and then start to come to you as that subject matter expert. And that's, I think, what you're kind of, kind of alluding to there.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing is that um, there's no one conventional pathway, right, uh, to get there. And, um, and everybody's backgrounds different. Everybody's experiences are different. You know, there's nobody that's played the same amount of professional football, played slam ball, you know, played basketball with NBA guys. And, like, you know, even if there's another guy like that, his experience is still different than mine. Absolutely. Right. So so my point is, we have to be able to leverage our experiences that we have in this game, our movement based experiences, especially
0: yeah. and be
1: able to utilize those to be able to create a, an opportunity for people that haven't been through that yet. So maybe we know what that feels like. We know what it, we know the, the pitfalls and we know the success opportunities and we yeah. can help other people identify that. And if I knew that, you know, I, I was uh, you know, I didn't make the NFL team that I was going out for. But if I can help other people make that NFL team, like a a night like tonight, is the is the NFL draft, right? Yeah, right. Guys that may get drafted tonight or tomorrow. So you know, it's 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 cool to be able to be um, at least a small part of the process that helps them achieve their dreams, even if I wasn't able to achieve that dream myself.
0: Absolutely. I, that, I think that's well said. So let's do this. Let's talk about a little bit about the, the, the golf medicine branch of, of Better Every Day, right? So sure. you know, maybe tell us your approach. And again, obviously, we've talked about you kind of molding your own kind of maybe movement based philosophy and maybe kind of taking some things from here and there. And maybe kind of talk about your approach to training for the golf athlete and maybe how it translates to you know, your, your definition of improved performance for them.
1: Yeah. So, the, in a nutshell, okay. golf leticism is really improving or increasing or making more efficient. Movement, right? Athletic based movement, human movement, right? Because if we know that no matter what your activity, if you move better, you can perform better, yeah. right? So part of it is just the physical literacy of being able to move well enough so that when I deliver an athlete to a golf instructor, that that athlete can do all the things that the instructor needs them to be able to do to be able to be successful in whatever they're trying to change in their swing or in their game, right? Yeah. So, but I think the key is it's bridging the gap, right? So I'm the guy in the middle. Uh, I'm the movement guy. I'm the guy that, that, you know, if your back is hurting and, you know, it's not just about, it's not only about fixing uh, your back, if your back hurts, right? right? Your back doesn't just hurt because of your back. And you know this better than anybody, right. Your back hurts because of your movement or because whatever pelvis position you're in that, that led to, uh, you know, something that your body didn't quite agree with as it related to uh, your rotation or Maybe you tried to stabilize your thoracic spine and tried to ask for mobility out of your lumbar spine. We know that's opposite, right? So, But what I realized through the years is that the golfer doesn't really understand that a lot of times. (laughs) They do understand movement, right? But it's amazing what they don't know. Now, they might be brilliant at what they do, right? But if you see something happen, like uh, with your ball flight, right? If you see a ball, if you're a right-handed player and you see a ball go you know, take off and go up and to your right, then you probably sliced it or you kept the club face open or you came across it or you came over the top. Like if this, then that, right? So, but the same thing happens, not just with the ball and where the ball lands, the same thing happens with your body. If you see this certain type of a ball flight, sometimes it has to do with a certain type of a body motion. Well, if you don't know, you might understand ball flight laws, but if you don't understand the body laws that, that move the club, the club's connected to the body and how the body moves, the club's going to move. If you don't understand that relationship as a golfer, you're on eight ball, man. And then you basically are relying on somebody else to tell you that, yeah. you know, for my golfers, I want them to know that, listen, if you see this, get, get your lower body more left. Okay. If you feel like you're, you're hooking it, okay, maybe you didn't get left. So if we can correct, correct our golf swing with our body versus trying to correct our golf swing with our golf swing, we have a higher level of success that doesn't require us go back to a lesson just to fix the problem in the moment. You might be in the 14th hole and need to figure out what's going on. Right. Well, you can't just say, hold on, pause. Let me go take a golf lesson real quick and come right <laughs> back. You know, how, how do we fix it in the moment? And I think that the people that have, make the best adjustments on the fly, and I'm not talking about just competitive golf. I'm talking about even recreational golf. You know, um, you know, you want to be able to, to allow your body to work for you versus against you. And what golf athleticism does is it, it works on stability, mobility, and coordination in such a fashion that allows you to understand where your stability comes from, where your mobility comes from and how to coordinate that for success. And that's the educational process that helps you bridge the gap between the golfer and the golf instructor. And that's what us movement guys are best at.
0: And I think, you know, the, the key part you said there is the education piece, right. Is, is understanding, getting people to understand or getting golfers, to understand movement, getting them to understand body awareness that can go a long way, helping them understand, Hey, here's a reason why you're coming over the top or here's a reason why you're early extending whatever it may be. Because, Ultimately, we always say to our golfers that come in, your body is the best piece of equipment that you'll ever invest in, right? If you don't invest in it, then no matter how good a clubs you're getting or whatever, you know, the brand new equipment you're going to get, you're still going to be leaving a little bit on the table there that is going to maybe not transcend you to that next level that you're looking to get to.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, and when people start realizing that, man, what? Oh, there's a quarantine and I can't go to my course. Oh, man, like some places you can still go play golf. Like like here in Orlando – you can still go play golf. You know, Orlando's kind of weird with this whole quarantine thing. Like, you know, you can't lay on the beach, but you can go to the beach and run. I, mean, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's so weird. It's just, but at the end of the day, if you had to stay inside the house, and it's not too dissimilar from what, you know, people up north experience during the winter months where they can't get outside onto the course and play at all. They have to figure out how to get better inside, right? And so as they get better, get better from the body side first, as opposed to, Hey, my wife keeps walking past the camera, guys. I'm sorry about sorry. that. all right? So, um, <laughs> hey, Amber. <laughs> no, no awareness. She just keeps walking back there. But it's, at least she's making the, the, the picture look better, so I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, it, what can I do with my body at a time like this that gives me the ability to come out once the snow melts and be a better version of when, I, you know, when the snow started falling? Same yeah. thing with this quarantine. I mean, there's a real opportunity right now there's a real opportunity for people to, to button up and fill in all those little gaps and that, that were holding them back where sometimes when you have to play, 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 you never really quite get the opportunity to work on the things that are the most necessary for your game. And, and that starts with your body. And if you, can, if you can start to understand and identify those things, you, you
0: might be the best golfer you've ever
1: been coming out the back of this thing.
0: Absolutely. I mean, amen, amen to that. I think a lot of times, you know, people look at this as an opportunity to just kind of hang out and wait for this yeah. thing to kind of blow over. But... Yeah. Again, if you invest the time that you now have that you maybe wouldn't have had with this whole right. thing going on, oh, well, man, that's an opportunity, like you said, to come out on the other side and be a little bit more effective or maybe more an efficient golfer with your movement oh. that you can get in certain positions to be able to strike the ball a little more consistently.
1: No doubt about it. No doubt about
0: it. So let's do this. Let's, and again, obviously, I know you work with uh, PGA, tour level players, LPGA. Obviously, you work with guys like Tim Burke, who's on the World Long Drive Tour. You know, what are some things that maybe, again, when you're dealing with the upper echelon, right, maybe you don't have to tweak so many things, right, but maybe there's a couple of things that you need to kind of focus on. What are some things that you're maybe kind of honing in on when it comes to their training?
1: Well, first, one thing, to, one thing to remember is that just because they are very talented doesn't mean that they have the best body awareness or, you know, they might just be big and strong and fast, but we probably have so much more opportunity to get better. A guy like Tim Burke, who's a two-time World Long Drive champion. The biggest thing with Tim was that when I first saw him was that I just wanted to work on his stability. Like, how do we connect with the ground? Because, you know, it's not just about the power that you generate in the swing, but what do you have the ability to maintain? Like, your relationship with the ground is everything. Not just for power, distance, and speed, but also for control and consistency. So, the first thing we did was, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's, you know, 250 pounds putting you know, 500 pounds of force into the ground throughout the course of the golf swing, like right there through, right, just before impact, he's like 500 pounds of force in the ground and he's driving up and through the ball. And it's like, well, if if the brain doesn't connect with a positive relationship with the ground, if the brain doesn't connect with the body to create that positive relationship, then we're just going to lose. Like there's going to be a power leak. There's going to be some inefficiency. And what we want to make sure that we can do is help you understand how to be efficient. Well, if you don't know where that stability comes from, then you can't work on it, right? You can't just fix it with a swing. So, but what's important to understand is that that's not just for the long drive athlete, right? So, for the person with 100 mile an hour, he, he has 156 mile an hour club head speed, right? For the person with a, with a 90 mile an hour club head speed, stability is just as important for you because stability is control, right? Some people focus on mobility and a lot of people toss around the word flexibility a lot. And, you know, I think it's just a bit, one of the most misused terms in golf. I mean, mobility is the joint's flexibility of the muscles and now lack of flexibility can restrict mobility. I understand that. But if people are so worried about how much they turn and all this stuff, before they're concerned with how they connect to the ground, then they're going to put themselves, They can be in improving range of motion, but decreasing performance because it's not connected to anything substantive.
0: And, and I okay, think too, like, you're, you're discussing stuff that I think golfers have a tendency to kind of forget. Your connection with the ground is so crucial for that performance aspect that I think everyone's looking for, right? Your ability to, again, yeah. connect body awareness, being able to put force to the ground so that on impact, like you can have what you're, what you're looking for. Like that is so important. I think a lot of golfers have a tendency to kind of overlook that. Hey, listen, yeah. I just want to increase club head speed, club head speed, club head speed. Great. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that connection to the ground, regardless of how fast you're swinging, you might not get that efficiency that you're looking for.
1: No doubt. I mean, not only that, like any, any rotational sport that, or rotational uh, movement that requires a kinematic sequence, right? Moving from the ground up. If you're a baseball pitcher, right? Um, a lot of people, they, they come to me, they say, I want to add two, three miles an hour on my fastball. Okay, um, you're a right-handed pitcher. Okay. Have you worked on front side, like your left leg, single leg stability? They go, um, not really. I mean, what do you mean? Okay, yeah. so when we attack this front side if you can be stable enough to get over top of that front side and your brain can connect with a stable front base, you won't hang back and sling it with your arm. You can get on top of it and use your body to throw. You're already going to gain a couple miles an hour right there. And that's not because you got stronger, right? It's not because you lifted more weights. That's because you improve your stability. And so if we can start from there to the point where Russ, what I, what I've done is I used to do it more as a corrective exercise. Okay. This person doesn't have such good balance. Okay. Here are three corrective exercises to help them on their single leg balance. Now I realize that even if they do have good balance, they still have to activate that process uh, before they get moving to prepare their body to perform. So it's part of my culture now, my culture of all my athletes. I do a dynamic stability routine that helps them understand single leg balance and and control. And uh, that way I can ensure that all of those light switches are turned on and they're lighting that room up before we start swinging the club. Um, And so that stability is so important for me.
0: That's a a great analogy. Like you you said, lighting that room up to allow the – the nervous system, the body to kind of be more aware of some of the positions that you're going to be in so that once sure. you start to move in those positions with speed or with explosiveness, your body's more readily able to handle that.
1: Certainly, certainly.
0: All right, so let's do this. Let's kind of, um, let's move to our segment. It's called What's in the Bag, right? All so right. a lot back. of our golfers who listen to the show, they always like to kind of hear what our guests on the show are swinging. So give us an idea of what Coach T.A. has got in the bag.
1: Well, you know, I worked with David Ledbetter for a long time. So David Ledbetter is a Callaway guy, and every yeah. year I got clubs. And one year I got this set of clubs where it was so good that I didn't really want to hit anything else. And everybody kind of falls in love with some clubs. And, you know, fortunately, I didn't have to keep upgrading my stuff. I mean, it sounds like a good problem to have. But yeah. when, the, um, uh, when the Callaway, when the, Apex, when the Apex Pros came out, man, I'm talking about, A, they're forged. So a hack like me, you know, we can make them more upright or a little more laid off if we needed to. So I was able to move them around a little bit if I needed to. Yeah. I feel like I have, the, uh, you know, a good friend of mine is the best club tutor in the world. Brett Meyer up there, Ledbetter Academy. Great friend of mine. Uh, yeah. Brett is just amazing, dude. He, he's somebody that you should have on the show, by the way. Nice. Uh, awesome. He's a track man expert and also a club club fitting expert, speed coach, uh, 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 swing speed coach, but also a swing instruction coach. So great guy. Um, but um, so Brett has built every single set of my clubs ever, All right, And I swinged fast um you know just because I naturally do it the hardest part for me with golf is to slow it down some so I had to have a club that was good enough to be able to be forgiving enough to be able to you know at least mute a little bit of my speed challenges like when I started moving too fast but at the same time when I am in good tempo something that I can work the ball with they weren't just so big and clunky that I couldn't control anything so although my scores wouldn't indicate it and my handicap probably wouldn't indicate it uh, I, I, I hit the ball better than than my score suggests. That's why it's hard to play with people because they don't believe me. I, I might be, I might be uh, one under through six, and they're like, "Bro, come on, bro. You know, I can't give you a stroke a hole over this." this I said, "Just hold on a second. It's it's coming. It's coming. Just, <laughs> just wait. A random quad comes and triple bogeys come, and so I just have some bad holes. But uh, those apex irons, man, are just, you know, when you when you're swinging it good, man, they're they're good. To, they're good to me. So. And then that's the the irons. And I I love the Mac Daddy uh, 2 wedges. I have a uh, a 50, uh, 54, and 58 in the bag. I have some old school, I guess you can call them old school, now a few years old, uh, Callaway X-Hot hybrids, 18 degree, 20 degree hybrid, that are by far my favorite clubs that I've ever hit in my life. And I don't know if it's a chef thing, I don't know if it's a club hit, I don't know, I don't care. All I know (laughs) is that, is that I hit a ball far and straight at the right times when I have those hybrids. Yeah. And then and then my driver I had was a was a gift and I'll show it to you that I got here uh, from my good friend Tim Burke.
0: Sure. Um, I was gonna crank. say I would hope you have an influence at some point there, right?
1: Oh yeah man. So crank uh, crank golf is was is Tim's uh, long was Tim's longtime sponsor, but he just signed with PXG. Okay. But during his crank days, we have a, a driver here that's a uh,
0: Oh man he has
1: TB just uh, right there in the face is right. one of the new ones that crank manufactured this uh this clubhead. For me, it's just a nine degree, so I'm not I'm not hitting it. It has, if you know, it has no grooves on the face. It looks mm-hmm. like it, but there's no grooves on the face at all. That's what long drivers do, and it's a uh, it's something for me to be able to know that I can get in the game from the playing driver side of things. But you know, I really respect what those guys do in long drive because to hit it 400 yards and straight is a, is a is a hard thing to do. Absolutely. And those guys are really good at it. So
0: That's great. That's a, so, again, for the listeners that are obviously listening to it and not seeing it, um, Coach C.A. brought a, a driver. A crank driver's got Tim Burke's uh, logo on the, on the club head there. Phenomenal-looking thing. So we'll, we'll make sure we kind of post this on YouTube so that you guys can take it, check it out as well. Okay. So let's do this. Let's kind of switch over to our shotgun round. So <laughs> what we're going to do, Coach, is we're going to ask you a bunch of uh, questions. You're going to try and answer as quickly as you can without really thinking much about it, all right? All right, let's go. <clears> favorite golfer.
1: Tiger Woods. <laughs> <You know. laughs> I just He's my age, man. He's my age. Anybody that's done t- Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, you know, all, we're all the same age, man. So, I mean, a lot of great people are our age. That's and true. Tiger's a
0: guy that I grew up watching. How about favorite golf brand? I think I have an idea.
1: You know what? My favorite golf brand is PXG. Huh. There's just, there's something about what they're doing with the equipment now. But more importantly, I just love the theme. I love even the marketing I just I just love what they do the the precision that they that they build their their products with they spare no expense they're expensive but they're also quality they're almost works of art I've been able to hit to pxg clubs a couple of times at uh, Tim's clubs and it's just there's just something about it there's a couple of brands I say man I really really would love to have an opportunity to work with and pxg is one of them
0: that's awesome that's that's not what I was expecting man that's that's what were you expecting well, I was expecting the, I was expecting more than kind of the apparel, Brian. I know where you're going with. apparel. Oh, uh, I can give you that now. Yeah. Oh, go ahead,
1: man. It's uh, you know, I'm a I'm an Under Armour guy, man. I've been with Under Armour over 10 years now. I've had the opportunity to to help build some things in the golf performance world with them. Um, Through the years, people they've had. I've done work with Jordan Spieth uh, from photo shoots to video shoots to just different types of workouts. And guys that have been through their camp, like Gary Woodland. Uh, he's not with them anymore, but, uh, you know, Hunter Mahan and. Guys that have come through that camp, I mean, they, they were, are phenomenal at the way that they approach golf. Didn't have their own clubs, but had the best golf apparel in the yeah. world. I still feel like that. And the golf shoes that they're coming out with right now, they're integrating a lot of the technology, the hover technology into it. Amazing. If you get a chance to put on some Under Armour golf shoes, do that. And, but, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with Under Armour uh, from the performance side of things. I work with the Under Armour All-America football So I get a chance to to chop it up with the best players in the country every year. And it's a brand that I know that I've been able to have a real impact with. I feel like I've been in the grassroots in the trenches with them. And uh, they've been really, really good to me for the last 10 years.
0: Yeah, I can attest to that. I mean, I remember remember when I was at uh, Under Armour Corporate being the rehab director, like your name came up multiple times with some of the trainers there. And again, I think it just speaks to, again, the authenticity that you have with the people that you work with, right? And I think... If their mission lines up with yours, it's a a great relationship and you've obviously been able to do a lot of great things with them and that's awesome to see.
1: Thank you, sir. Appreciate that.
0: So what do we got? Preferred drink or snack when you're playing?
1: I like a lemon-lime Gatorade, okay? I don't know why it's lemon-lime, not orange, not (laughs) grape. It's not even my favorite one, but I just feel like something about it helps me connect to like the golf course and I can't figure out what it is yet, but a nice, a cold Lemon, lime, Gatorade. Oh, okay. What about snack? All right, here we go. Ready? They have these little barbecue chips, and I don't know why they're always at, uh, at golf course, but, like, they're called Miss Vickie's. Oh, yeah. Like, chips. The only thing is in Florida, you got to watch out because if you go, like, to the green, like, the birds know about these chips too, right? So the crows, like, they get into your cart if you're not watching, and they'll oh. take the chips, bro. They yeah. will take them. So you have to hide your Miss Vickie's with your life you know but uh i I one like i get like one chip a hole or something like that it just like ooh, and then i look forward to it and if i if i do bad on the hole i don't let myself have one so you know you got to play that psychology game with yourself.
0: absolutely no question
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right how about uh, par
0: three or par five
1: i got to go with a par five man i don't know why par threes intimidate me so much uh, especially if they're over 200 yards yeah a 200-yard, like at Alworth, one of the the courses here in Orlando, a, a private course here in Orlando. The second hole of the course is like a 230-yard par three, through like two really tall trees that you that are too tall for you to go over. There's one right in front, and then there's there's another one over here. But so it's natural for you to want to go through this, but then there's a lake right there, <laughs> so you have to draw through the trees. Sometimes I just slice one in the fairway and, and take a, a bogey. But, <laughs> you know, par threes are tough. I'd rather have a par five because I can decide if I want to smooth one off the tee, keep one in yeah. play. I prefer to go with my approach shot where I don't have to hit a green, you know, if I don't want to, yep. than to have to hit one off the tee box.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I haven't had many people who have come on the show who have actually preferred a par three over a par five.
1: That's yeah, just I just, I, I'd just rather not, man. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, how about a cart and walk? I like driving the
1: cart, man. There's something about it. I just, I like the breeze blowing on my face. I turn on my little speaker and uh, there's just something about it. I don't see myself, wa- I've walked a lot of courses, but I really prefer to ride.
0: Nice. All right, how about uh favorite movie, Caddyshack or Happy Gilmore? I'm a
1: Happy Gilmore guy. I'm that nerd because I love kinematic sequence and I've put it on DVR and I've taken Adam Sandler and I've slowed, put it slow motion frame by frame, and watched him come and watch his sequence is amazing. Hockey players, square, find the club face more square than any other athlete in the world that does not play golf. And when you watch this guy's sequence and how he starts with that lower body and his hips and the separation he creates and all that, you know, people think I'm crazy. But that's how I watch Happy
0: Gilmore. I keep rewinding it. They're like, stop rewinding it. I'm
1: like, i it. I got to watch this again. So definitely
0: <laughs> Happy Gilmore. Yeah, I'll tell you what. We, you know, we see a lot of pro hockey guys that come through our ranks you know, in the offseason. And when we play golf with them, they kill the ball. The like they do a really good job. Like you said, that body awareness, that separation, they do a really good job of being able to translate what they do in a hockey standpoint to the golf, and it's, it's really mm-hmm. cool. Sure. How about our favorite golf memory for you? You know, I, um, I had a chance one time
1: a few years back uh, with my Under Armour family to go to um, – I played Black Wolf Run up in, uh, up in Wisconsin Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: in the morning. Now, they played some U.S. Opens there, women's U.S. Opens and things like that. It's a really, really neat course. Played Black Wolf Run in the morning, and then in the afternoon, I played Whistling Straits. Ooh. And it was the same year that they were getting ready to play the PGA Championship there. And um, so it was like five weeks before, four or five weeks before the tournament. So this course was in this pristine condition, and they were setting up the grandstands and like, you know, all that di- different type of stuff where they prepared for big events, but it was just, it was so cool and, and, and Black Wolf run in the morning. It was nice out as Wisconsin in like May. It was, it was beautiful. So it was like probably 70 degrees and, and blue sky. But then when I went in the afternoon to Whistling Straits, still blue sky, but the wind was about 20 miles an hour more and it was about 10 degrees cooler because that water, that, that wind was coming off the lake. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was just, it was just an amazing experience, man. And then it's Link style and it's just, I mean, it's two completely different types of courses playing 36 in one day. And then when I got done, I, you know, I hung out in Kohler and got a chance to eat some cheese curds and did what the locals do and stuff like that up there. So it was a really neat experience that day.
0: That's awesome. And, again, being able to play those two courses, you know, back-to-back in the same day, I mean, you can't ask much more for that.
1: Yeah, it was pretty cool, man.
0: All right, so, again, I know you had mentioned Brett's name before, but, if, you know, obviously if there's someone you'd recommend, we reach out to be a guest on the show besides Brett. Is there anyone else that you would recommend?
1: yeah I think you should have Tim Burke on the show uh, I think you should have Tim Burke because one thing that will be interesting to talk about with him was that he's not just one of the longest hitters in the history of of golf and one of the fastest men on earth he's basically the fastest man on earth um, he's also a great golfer yeah. he's a great golfer he believes in fitness we trained today he he was you might have caught him if, if anybody watches our eleven a m classes yeah. Tim was with us this morning but he um you know he's a he's a scratch golfer and he is one of the odd people who's a long driver, who's figured out how to actually utilize that length and distance in a playing situation, in a playing environment. And uh, he's very, very good at it. His short game is very good. His, you know, every, every aspect of his game. Now he needs to tighten it up a little bit if he wants to get out there and compete, but because that's how good those guys are. But he really has all the foundations and makings of somebody who could one day be a tour player.
0: That's amazing. And again, like putting that all together, putting that package together, it's sometimes hard to do, right? So I think that you know, again, we we love to have him again. Also, we so, again, a local product of local Rochester guy Ryan Steinberg. He's on the World Long Drive Tour as well, and he's going to be on the show. So that would be that would be cool to have both of them on. That'd be cool. Yeah,
1: man. And uh, there's another young lady, uh, Cassandra Meyer. Yeah? Right. Cassandra's from Rochester, and her and okay. Steinberg
0: did a uh, yes, yeah, her and Steinberg did a thing
1: during the Rochester uh, Long Drive Tournament last year. They did a special little uh, deal, whatever. They went all over town stuff like that. So yeah, Steinberg's oh, a great.
0: Yeah. Tell, tell Ryan, I said, hello. when you talk. Well, man, I will for sure. That's awesome. All right. So let's do this. Let's kind of end up with some words of wisdom from TA. So for someone who's maybe looking to get into the golf fitness performance space, you know, what would be your recommendation when it comes to maybe where to start? I think that
1: um, if you have a passion for, um, for movement, um, I think there's a lot of trainers out there that could really be great with, with coaching golfers. One thing about the golf world is that, um, there's a, the golf world is at the, for the most part, it's an affluent community uh, with, um, you know, some disposable income and time on their hands to spend it. Um, and they choose to spend it on the golf course. And there's not anybody that plays golf that really just doesn't want to get better at it or doesn't want to hit it a little farther or doesn't want to feel a little better or enjoy it a little bit more. So what I would say is to the trainers out there, if you're already a movement specialist and you're already training athletes and you're already training everyday folks to be in better shape, maybe be fitter and move better. Don't be intimidated by the game of golf. Uh, take a little bit of time, educate yourself on, on just the general bi- biomechanics of the movement uh, movements in golf. And you can really help somebody uh, and you can really help your business, especially at a time like now when we need to bounce back. You know, you can really do great things for your business by starting to uh, expose the opportunity to train golfers. And if you focus on just what you know, it's not just about getting stronger to hit it farther, it's about moving better to hit it farther. And if you move better, you move faster, if you move faster, then you hit it farther. So it um, starts with stability. And if you really you really want to get into this world, don't think that you have to be the best golfer in the world to be able to train golfers. Coach K is not the best basketball player in the world, right. but he's one of the best basketball coaches in the world. Phil Jackson was a decent player, but he wasn't the best. So you have to look at it from that perspective. Don't think that because you can't do it really well that you can't help somebody who can. And that's, I think, the biggest, the biggest tip that I can have. And, Next thing you know, man, you might have people seeking you out and saying, hey, listen, I just need you to help me get more fit. And they don't know what they're going to get from you. And what they're going to find out about you is that the movement is what they needed all along. And then you're going to be a hero in the process.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, getting athletes or golfers or even just, you know, recreational golfers have that light bulb come on for them. Like, hey, if I can actually move better and whatever you're coaching me is actually going to help i mean listen you've just bought you've just had someone buy into your process and buy into what you're doing so that they can invest not only in their body but also in you too and i think that's a huge thing for you moving forward.
1: there's no doubt i mean and, and just have fun with it man because uh you don't have to know everything and you don't have to do everything but if you can help somebody in one aspect like if you know just by listening to this podcast that if you have better balance then you can hit the ball farther that can be the first thing that you talk about with your people are you a golfer? Oh, your husband plays golf. You've been training the wife for five years. Your husband plays a lot of golf, I see. Well, tell him we can help him work on his balance. And then if he wants to hit it, hit it, you know, a little bit farther, I can help him with that. And those are the ways that you can, in, you know, start to slowly integrate um, golf training into your uh, daily routines uh, wherever you're training. That's awesome, man.
0: I think that's a, a great place to kind of wrap up this podcast here. So, Coach, for, for those who maybe want to learn more about you, or maybe want to reach out, I mean, what's the, best, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure.
1: On Instagram and on Twitter, it's TA2Claps. So it's T-A, the number two, and then Claps, C-L-A-P-S, TA2Claps. That's Instagram and Twitter. And then, um, you know, also I have a Golf leticism page too. So just Golf leticism, like athleticism, but golf. And then uh, just our, our gym is Better Every Day Performance Institute, but the, the website is bettereverydayorlando.com. The um, Instagram is better every day Orlando as well. So, and then you, you'll see a lot of different tips from general fitness stuff to our live classes, to, to, you know, golf training, see everything on there. So, and if there's any way, please don't hesitate to reach out to me shoot me a message, direct message, or, you know, just drop me a line and let's get better together, man.
0: <laughs> and again, I'll, I'll, I'll tell this to listeners. I mean, you know, Coach Trevor is, is an amazing resource. Um, he's very generous with his time and is willing to help out whoever needs help. And, um, and at least point them in the right direction as to how maybe they can help themselves, too. So, you know, guys, what we'll do is we'll put Trevor's contact information in the show notes. So that way you can reach out to him if you want to. And Again, Coach, thanks so much for your time and spending a little, you know, time to talk shop with us. And, you know, for those who are listening, uh, stay tuned for next week's episode and we'll talk to you next time.
1: Hey, one more thing,
0: Russ. Hey, two claps. That's it, baby. <laughs> listen, I was hoping you were going to do that, man. i will give you the two claps. <laughs> and that was unscripted. And, uh, and I will absolutely, listen, that's, you can't get much better than that.
1: All right, bro. Appreciate uh, you, man. Have a great Okay. Man. Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: Hey, everyone. Thanks so much again for listening to this week's episode of the pain-free golf performance podcast. If you enjoy the content of this show, we would love it if you would leave an iTunes review to help us grow and expand our ability to provide you with the golf information you are seeking. If you're listening to this show and are dealing with aches, pains, or issues from golf that haven't been resolved, or you're not exactly sure where to turn, then let us know how we can help. Whether you are local or not, you can work directly with us through our pain-free golf performance program, which is completely virtual and online. This program is customized to you and your goals of playing your best golf yet. We would assess how well you move to give us a baseline of what you can do, and then based on that assessment, come up with the training program best suited for you. We are offering a special podcast promotion, which gives you access to our program at a reduced rate. You can inquire by going to manaperformancetherapycom forward slash painfreegolf. Again, mana is spelled M-A-N-A. So it's manaperformancetherapycom forward slash painfreegolf and use the promo code podcast when inquiring so we can help you feel better and play better golf. Be sure to tune into next week's episode and we'll catch you then.